The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Inspire Us. just want to take a few moments to talk about my book. Yes, my book, Take Control of Your Life. If you have not picked up a copy, please do. This book is making a difference in a lot of people's lives, and this is a little pitch for myself, but it's really worth reading. So there you go. Now, in episode 19, I have the absolute pleasure of introducing you to Dr. Anna Kaminska. Dr. Kaminska is a certified coach and mentor with a doctoral degree in law and a master's degree in psychology. And after spending over a decade working as a litigation lawyer in Europe, she decided to follow her life's passion and moved into coaching and mentorship. How many of us have actually stopped our career midway and said, hey, you know what, this is not for me. I want to try something different. Well, I've met a few of those people. They're remarkable. And Dr. Anna is one of them who has taken another path in life. In today's episode, she's going to impart some of her excellent knowledge and ideas about how we can take control of ourselves, of our breathing, of our thoughts, and how we can fight the fight or flight syndrome that seems to be repeating itself so much more in COVID-19. She's going to be talking about the importance of taking daily care of yourself, not only your thoughts, but your body and mind. And without any further delay, I'd love to introduce you to Dr. Anna Kiminska. Hello, Anna, and welcome to Inspire Us. I am so happy to have you on the show. Thank you, Paul, for inviting me, and I hope we'll inspire others today. (laughs) That's what we're aiming to do. And I remember when you and I first met, we were doing this, and we had a few listeners, and that actually inspired them. And there was one woman who had been listening to our show and had said how much it was of all the other ones that she had listened to, uh, the one that she she enjoyed. with us for another half an hour and chat with us through Zoom, right? (laughs) She did. She did. Uh, But that was largely because of what you had to say. Uh, Your information, you've had such a a brilliant background and understand the workings of the human mind so well. I'd really like it if you could share with all of us what it is that we're going through right now, because a lot of people are experiencing anxiety and depression at levels that have been so uh, lifted by this whole COVID-19 and everything else that's going on in the world. What is it that people can, can do to help minimize what they're experiencing right now? My message that I love to share, and I'm very happy that you invited me today to, to share this message, is that we have to do a lot. We really have influence on our minds or on our bodies that are related, interconnected, and one triggers another. And like, you know, it was said 2,000 years ago by Epictetus that it's not what happens to you, it's not the situation that makes us feel in a specific way, but it's how we react to the situation. It's how we interpret the situation. And this is where this problem begins. I'm not trying to persuade anybody that it's good what's happening outside, but the meaning we give to the situation, the meaning we give to economic factors, this potential threat for our health, how huge it is, how serious it is, how we can protect ourselves, all this interpretation depends only on us. And everybody who has access to YouTube, let's say, can see very different interpretations of what's happening. And it's up to us which message, which narrative we will accept as our own truth. Because with our thoughts, it's always that it's, it's us to decide it's something, if something is true for us or not. If we, will, if we buy this narrative that we're all going to die, it's the, the virus, it's the disease that will destroy the economy. It's almost like Armageddon. It will kill half of the population. And it's so 
scared that it's it's not safe to go outside. Obviously, we have no other choice like feeling anxiety because our body will always respond to the message that we put into our brains. That's why without going into discussion that how serious it is, let's leave it to doctors. What we can do, we can create our own environment. We can choose what kind of message we will uh, read, what kind of news we will uh, watch what we're gonna do in our free time, if we're gonna watch CNN news or if we're gonna read some empowering book, it's all depend on us. And it's proven with countless studies that it's the thought that triggers the emotion. So the fact that we are feeling this anxiety and this huge amount of stress right now, it's not because of what's happening out there, it's because what we like accept in our mind as true, as the reality. So we can say, I'm not taking part in all, all of this, which doesn't mean that we somehow disregard the seriousness of the situation, but for protecting ourselves, and I hope we'll go deeper into how this work, this stress works in our body and what it costs to us. It's in our best interest to be the guardians of our own minds and implement some, t some uh, simple tools, strategies that are, uh, again, proven with countless studies. They have a serious scientific background and they are these routines that can help us to go through the situation, which is obviously not easy, the situation, but go through this in more or less, like, like in better shape, in better, with better resilience. And what I'm hearing you say, doctor, is that despite what is going on outside, what really we need to do as individuals is care for what's happening inside of us. Whatever's yes. happening out there, uh, as you pointed out, there are certain things that we cannot control. And uh, what you also said is that no matter what happens to us, and I love that, that's one of my favorite lines is what you said. Who was the uh, the great philosopher who said that? Epictetus. Uh, yeah. Philosophy, but you know, Shakespeare said more or less the same. He said something like, uh, nothing is good or bad, uh, but thinking make it so, right? <laughs> it, it's the, the knowledge, uh, great, uh, um, wise people uh, have been introduced to for millennia, but we have as people, especially nowadays, we have this tendency to believe that if something is too simple, it can't work. If I don't go to very expensive psychotherapy or if I'm not going to buy expensive drugs that will help me somehow from the outside, there's not much I can do. We, we choose to believe that it's too complicated. It's, you know, there's all mental health issues. They are so complicated that without sophisticated tools, medicaments, without a very expensive support, we can't handle this. And this is what, again put us back into this victim mode. But yeah, it's so simple. And all, all Buddhist theory is based on this concept that you choose your thoughts. You are in charge of your thoughts, of your emotions, of uh, mental state, because mental states like anxiety, depressions, depression, they are triggered by specific chemicals in the brain. And we know today that we can influence these chemicals in, in, in the brain. We can. All right. So if I get you correctly, we're putting far too much stress on ourselves by overthinking some of the simpler things. How to get to where we want to be is not as difficult as some of us imagine. Not in all cases, but in some cases. Uh, would that be a correct statement? Is that we're, are, we are overthinking how to get well or how to make ourselves better? We are overthinking how to get well and we in general over complicate our lives because this is the stress mechanism in our body it's it's really genius it's amazing but it was originally designed for us to protect us from the external threat like a fire an enemy a danger animal who is gonna attack us so this mechanism is uh, is good for us but when it comes to short-term stress and the stress that is uh, you know some external 
a real authentic factor cause this stress. So when we know how to deal with this and this mechanism that we are um, endowed uh, with uh, help us to deal with this, then uh, we should go back to this more neutral state. But uh, as human beings, we are the only beings in, uh, that are able to put ourselves into the stress mode by thought alone. And this is the this is the issue that we do not control our thoughts. Our control our thoughts control us. And uh, Jim Jim Carrey is said this beautifully that in the in the role of meditation is not to control our thoughts, but not uh, let the thoughts to control us. And this is what happening with most of the people. So issues like not only COVID but traffic jam, pollution, uh, divorce, annoying boss, unpleasant email. Uh, you know, all this cause us, uh, put us into this fight or flight mode, cause uh, stress. So it's only our thought that put us into this um, this position. That's why when we overthink too much, overcomplicate things, we again uh, choose this narrative that it's not supporting us, that uh, makes us feel bad. This is where when we trigger chemical substances in our brain to help us fight or flight. And that's why we are, and, and this is an unhealthy state. And the discussion we had uh, recently, like two, two of us about this long-term effect of the situation with post-traumatic stress disorder and so on, is because we are not designed to be in this stress long-term. It's great mechanism, but for a short-term stress, not for, uh, you know, like months we have right now. Right. So if I understand you correctly, doctor, what you're saying as well is, is that the thought process that we put into whatever it is, dealing with a bad boss, dealing with traffic uh, or whatever, whatever we start to imagine in our minds can actually release a chemical within us to make us feel one way or another. Is, is, is that this how I understand it? Yes. This is what is happening. And the best example uh, I always gave to my client is like classic book example is that let's say you're home uh, alone in the night, a woman, for example, it's even more scared. She's home by herself. And, uh, you know, in the middle of the night time, suddenly you hear that someone is trying to unlock the door. And obviously the first thought is a burglar and uh, I'm in threat. So what happened in the body? It's uh, you feel your heart beating, you're sweating, you can the you, you have this shallow, fast breath, have problem with swelling the, the um, swallowing the saliva. It's all this you know shaking, maybe body is shaking. It all comes from not the real situation because you don't know who is behind the door, right? Not the situation. It's only our interpretation. But suddenly, if she would think like. Let's say, oh my God, my husband who is now away in business, he just texted me. I forgot he texted me that he's going to be back tonight, not tomorrow. I totally forgot because I was in the middle of the conversation when he, te when he texted me. So it must be him. So when I thought, when, when she, she thinks it's my husband, totally different chemical reactions are triggered in the body and you feel uh, joy, you feel happy, you are excited, you have almost like this butterfly in the stomach, right? Totally different reaction, but still, we don't know who is behind the door. <laughs> is that our mind? So that's the question. What's the real situation here? Is it a threat or is it a friend, right? right. We don't know. But depending on the meaning we give to this situation, we will trigger totally different chemical substances in, in our body. And also uh, what's important, it's not only our mind and our thought that trigger the substances, but also the body. We talk a lot, especially recent years, about mind and body connection, which for many people sounds like, oh, it's good maybe for yoga amateurs or meditation amateurs to... To, to use this notion, but it's in fact that our nervous system, it's, it's not only the brain, our nervous system covers all the body. If we would leave only the nervous system, you would see the silhouette of a man, right? Because this nerves goes through all the body and it's connected with the brain. So we have, uh, we can do a lot to improve our well-being and to improve our mental state through our bodies. And for some people, it may be even easier because it's not always so easy to be in charge of your thoughts. 
but it's sometimes easier to implement some body postures or routines into your life that will trigger these chemical substances from the levels of your body, not your mind. Right. Okay. So how would somebody go about doing that? What you're talking about is, and sometimes it is very difficult to control our thoughts because, uh, and I've spoken to a lot of people, uh, some people have a tendency of overthinking or always thinking on the worst that could possibly happen. They don't look for what good could possibly happen as a result of something. How do we switch? Or is there something, and I'm not quite clear what you were just saying as far as, is there a posture we can take that will help to, to generate a, a better uh, release of chemicals for us that would make us feel happier? Is that what you're, you're getting at? This is exactly how this works. But before I tell in more details how this works, let me just like what you said about this negative thoughts that some people have. I would say, uh, as it, it's not, I would say it's status on the brain confirms that 75% of our thoughts are negative. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is something amazing. And even when people were asked the question, for example, write down a few situations from your life you did not deserve, but they happened to you. Like 100% of people uh, wrote down some negative situations, how they were betrayed, how they someone uh, took advantage of them. But nobody even thought about something like, I did not deserve to receive something positive, but I did. I didn't receive to be promoted to, uh, to you know, go positively through the exam, but I did. So people have this tendency, like we all have this tendency, and this is how our brain is wired to protect us from a threat, that we focus more on this negative aspects. And this is where this work starts to re rewire the brain and to some, in some way outsmart the brain. Uh, that the, the environment we live today is not that dangerous as it was when we came to the earth, right? Like millions of years ago. It's not that dangerous. So people are not our potential enemies, like not as commonly as it was in the past, right? So we can focus more on positive. We can trust people, right? And this is something we have to rewire physically in our brain. But now coming to your question about this body, this is exactly how this works, that we trigger specific chemical substances within our body, with our move. Like in ancient Greek, the word emotion comes from motion, right? How you feel depends on how you, uh, what you do with your body. And it was observed that people with depression, they have the same body posture uh, as, let's say, monkeys in, in depression. It's always about, you know, trying to hide yourself. Uh, arms go uh, forward. You hide your chest chin goes a bit down, right? This is this posture of like almost shrinking, trying to hide yourself. While on the other side, when you are very positive about something, optimistic, look forward to some kind of event, you are almost like opening up yourself, open up your chest. And this is, again, we can observe in the animal world with alpha gorilla male in, in the jungle. This is exactly this posture. I am the boss. So it's the opposite. It's not hiding yourself. It's opening up. Chest goes forward, chin goes up. And this is proven, again, with studies on the brain and the chemicals, that even two minutes of this power posing allows us, like helps lower cortisol level even by 25%. Cortisol level is a stress hormone, right? At the same time, testosterone, which is a hormone of power, dominance, like it goes up by 20%. And the opposite happened when we take this, not, not a power posing, like a Wonder Woman, let's say, it's easy to imagine, but we try to hide ourselves. We shrink, right? This is because the opposite effect, cortisol goes up and testosterone goes down. And I'm not trying to say that uh, two minutes of taking these poses will help you deal with anxiety or serious depression, but this is the kind of routine we can introduce to our life to be all the time like cautious on how, what we do with our body, how our body, what, what our body communicates to our brain. Because the term body language is not only the language that we communicate to other people, 
you know, how we feel, what we think with our bodies, but we also are, or, or I would even say we are this first recipient of this message. Our brain see what's happening with our body. Are we afraid and try to hide or we are open and ready to, to go and, and you know, uh, conquer the world, right? So depending on this, different chemicals will be released. So this is the one thing to focus on uh, as a daily routine, always be aware about your body posture, about mm. your silhouette. Mm. And I, I really like uh, what you've been saying because there are so many areas that you're talking about, talking to ourselves, body language, thought language, everything. It's a combination of things that we can do for ourselves to help improve our circumstances or how we're feeling about something. Uh, when we first arrived on this earth, there were things that we needed to fight and we didn't know who was friend or foe mm -hmm. and whether or not, you know, I think there were three things. Friend, do I have to fight this person? Can I trust this person or can I, or can I have a mate with this person? So we, we had to decide who to trust. And over the years, we've, we don't have as many of those threats as we, we did back then. So it's a matter of reprogramming our mind. And I like what you said, because if you're feeling down, try to put a smile on your face, even if it's forced. This is another thing that I often recommend to my clients and I would also recommend to the audience. Even like you said, when you have no reason to smile, uh, stick a pen or pencil between your teeth because what happened when you do this, two important processes happens. One is that even this fake smile uh, triggers serotonin. And serotonin is a feeling good hormone. It's the hormone that is Prozac, for example, mimics this effect, right? It's antidepressant. So this is one thing. Obviously, the amount of this serotonin may not be enough or comparable. But again, if you introduce this to your life as a practice, as a daily habit, this will help improve well-being. And another thing that happens is that it change, it forces us to change the breathing pattern and this is a huge thing when we talk about our abilities to influence our well-being breath is absolutely crucial because this is the first symptom that triggers our brain um, with certain chemicals if we are in this if we are frightened if we need to protect ourselves if we are scared uh, literally fight or flight uh, mode our breath is always shallow and, um, and fast. And this sends the message, uh, I need to fight or flight to the mm. brain. So brain in response to this breath will release a lot of stress hormone to get us ready to fight or flight. But with a slow and deep breath, we send the signal, I am safe to the breath. Because we can't have this, this deep and slow breath only happens when we feel safe. Whenever we are in, uh, in danger, we change this breath pattern. We can't, uh, like we can control this, but it's uh, in this uh, scaring situation, it will always change. We can consciously decide to slow down the breath and this will trigger this chemicals, I am safe. So uh, not, not cortisol will be released, but another chemicals that will go help us, you know, to stay resilient in this situation. So this is something we can, uh, oftentimes I say to people who have this fear of uh, public speaking and they are, they feel that anytime they are about to give a public speech or uh, speak to any audience, they feel uh, nervous. So I always said, focus on your brief because this is the very powerful scientifically, neuroscientifically proven tool to influence the chemistry in our, in our brain. And this is what this pen does between the teeth. We can't, with this gesture of smile, with pens being sticked between our teeth, we can't breathe in a fast, rapid, shallow way. We have to slow down the breath. So it's a very powerful exercise. That's amazing that just by simply doing a couple of things that we can actually change our physiology. A lot of people have asked me, well, when it comes to mental wellness or mental illness, is it not always a chemical imbalance? And what I'm getting from you is that, yes, there is maybe an imbalance in the chemical releases that cause this anxiety and depression, but much of that can be controlled by the thoughts that we choose yeah. 
to yes. have. Oh, the, the, yes. You know, and that's that's such a I know that that has been a breakthrough for many, many people. But a lot of people don't know that they don't know that they can actually change their body chemistry by the thoughts that they entertain. Unfortunately, this message is not shared in the mainstream media because positive like gratitude or slowing a slow breath. This is not something you can prescribe and you can sell in a pharmacy. Right. It's free. It's available for everybody. It's proven to help, but nobody earn any money on this. And that's why it's easier to say, oh, it's a complicated issue. You need to go and take part in some kind of psychotherapy for another three years and buy antidepressant, but another tools. And I'm not an expert in treating depression. It's, you know, I, I'm not educated in this field, but I read for, you know, pleasure books that relate these topics and one of the great experts in treating people with depression and anxiety, he is able to cure, to help people within one meeting, within one session, one treatment. And he also said it's not common because he looks like acting against his own interest because the patient who could come to his office for two years, twice a week, suddenly does not need his support, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is a message that there is no economic reason to promote this kind of message, right? Right, right. Wow, that, now that's fascinating because that reminds me that it's like our food, telling people that we need to eat five or six times a day, oh, which we don't. <laughs> right. It's just a way of getting us to buy food and the medicines. You're absolutely right. If people were able to heal thy patient, heal thyself. There's a yeah. lot of people have said that before is that we have incredible uh, ways of healing ourselves mentally, physically. And it does come from what we tell ourselves, yeah. that internal yeah. dialogue. I really like what you had to say there. When you have a patient or when you're helping somebody get through anxiety, what is it that you start off telling them? What, what can you tell those people out there right now who are experiencing all this uncertainty? Like today, you and I are talking and the United States elections for 2020 are happening at this moment. The votes have gone in. The counting is being done. There's a, the no decision has been made yet. There's a lot of anxious people, but not only are we anxious about what's happening around the world uh, as far as elections and such, we're worried about COVID-19. A lot of people are losing their work and a lot of people are finding it very difficult to, to find some courage. What would you tell these people? Uh, so let me just, uh, to, to be clear, I'm not taking patients. I have clients because I'm, I, I have a degree in uh, psychology, but I'm a coach, right? So I right, have clients, right. not patients. Thank you for clarifying that. Somebody may assume that with my doctorate degree, which is the degree in law, <laughs> uh, you know, like psychiatrist, I, I, I am not, right? I have a degree in psychology, but I am a coach. So how, how to start? You know, it's uh, from my perspective as coach, it's all about taking responsibility for, uh, for your thoughts first and for your emotions and for your decisions. Because like one of my greatest teachers, Joe Dispenza said, is your personality creates your personal reality. Your personal reality is shaped by your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, your behaviors. And this is something only us can uh, influence, right? No other person can help us, can, can change our beliefs, our thoughts, our emotions, our decisions for us. So it's always about changing, like taking this responsibility and, and how to start. The first thing I would say in this situation we have right now, and this is uh, something I would like to stress out, not only for those who are like individual people, but also to corporations, to business people, that the first thing is taking care of mental health right now and, and teaching people, like with the simple tips we discussed now, how to deal with this tension and this stress. Because like you said, people are losing jobs and they need to find a way to how to survive, how to adjust to new reality. Maybe they need to change profession. Maybe they need to find for another niche or different type of clients. 
And this won't happen, these ideas won't come to our mind when we are in stress. Because what happens in our body when we, have, when we are in fight or flight mode, the blood goes out from a prefrontal cortex that is our thinking part into this um, part of the brain that is uh, responsible for fight or flight response. The blood goes to, is pushed out to the uh, peripheries, to limbs, to, to help us fight or flight. And we have no capacity to think rationally, to make decisions, to see something more than only this threat that is in front of us, the threat of losing income, the threat of the fear of losing house, right? So in order to think in a different way, to see the opportunities, to see some new solutions, sometimes for many people, I consult some people who said that it's actually turned out to be the blessing for them this whole COVID situation, something from business reason, for you know, personal reason, because they had the chance, they were somehow forced to change the perspective. And it turns out that they are doing very well right now, even professionally, only by noticing that this is what people need more. They do not need my old solution, but I have idea how to help them, how to support them today. But as I said, in order to have these creative ideas, to unlock this innovation, creativity, we can't be in fight or flight mode. We have to leave this state and we have to learn how to leave the state and how to recognize the first symptoms of stepping into these states to stay calm, to stay conscious, to think, uh, because otherwise we are like a student, if uh, probably any anybody from the uh, listeners experience at least once in the, in the lifetime, the situation when you have to take the exam and you are well prepared, you have all the knowledge, but because of stress, you were not able to answer the simplest questions and you failed. And then you come back home and this all stress gone and you think oh my god it was so easy i knew all the answers how come i was not able to articulate them we were not able because our as i said there is no blood in prefrontal cortex we are not thinking fight or flight mode it's not a time to be creative to think as a visionary right mm -hmm. it's only to protect ourselves so the first thing is to start with mental health even when someone is let's say for a companies who are thinking about investing in some training and development, what they should invest at first place is mental health because no new message can enter the nervous system when we are in fight or flight mode. So yeah, so, so this, this, is the, this is the first thing. After when we know how to free ourselves from this trap of stepping into fight or flight every time we, like few times a day or be there all the time, we can go further and we can think of learning techniques that are also neuroscience based that help us to um, accelerate this productivity and unlock innovation, brain potential, because the potential of our brain is way bigger than we all know, believe. There's this myth that we can use 10% of the brain within our lifespan, which is not true. We only use 10% when we repeat the same path every day, when we do the same things and we do not learn and grow. But neuroplasticity gives us the proof that we can grow and expand our brain all our life. So we can learn even skills such as how to get into flow state, how to teach our brain, train our brain to think out of the box. This is something we have tools right now to, to teach people. But as I said, it's the next step. The first step is not to be in the spider flight mode. Right. And what you said makes absolute sense because we can't think of two things at one time. We have to think of different things. So if you're thinking about survival as opposed to solution, yeah. there is a huge chemical difference in thinking survival or solution. Yes. And so would the solution then, thinking about the solution as opposed to the, the fear of survival, would the solution then be to start your day off by 
practicing different exercises or by telling yourself something? Because you mentioned the power of language, uh, both mm-hmm. in, in your body stance and what you tell yourself. What would you recommend people to start their day off with? Something positive? Uh, so I would recommend to start the day with the workouts. That's the first. Uh, <laughs> that's the first thing. Without even we, we, before we even start to think about anything, I would recommend to do the workouts because it's not only uh, the body posture that we already discussed how this works for when it comes to triggering the chemicals in our body. This is what we should practice throughout the day. But in the morning workouts helps uh, us improve not only our mental well-being but like on on two sides on one side is it's lowering cortisol level and cortisol level is the highest this is what studies show that we have the highest cortisol level in the morning when we wake up so by doing workouts by sweating we help our body to lower this cortisol level so this is the first positive thing we can do for our bodies, our mind to lower this cortisol level. Another thing is that with intense workouts uh, as first thing in the morning, we trigger chemical reactions in our body that are very positive, not only for our well-being like endorphins, right, but also for our brain. We gonna have this sharp focus during the day, we'll be more creative. We, we unlock this full potential of our brain with, I won't go into the details and the names, how, what's, what happened and what we released in the brain, but the idea is simple. We lowering stress hormone level and we increasing, we start to release this all positive chemical substances that will help us to go throughout a day, not only with healthy, positive attitude, but also to be more productive, more creative at work, to have uh, sharp thinking, better focus. So so this is the fa- first thing I, uh, as you know, I, I do as my daily routine, but this is what I recommend. And obviously choosing smart uh, what we choose, what things we accept as first things in the morning. So what many people do, obviously, they grab the phone and they check the the news, they check the Facebook Facebook uh, feed or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And these social platforms are full of negative messages. Plus they are full of messages that f- makes us feel somehow, I don't know, either jealous. She already been to the gym and she has a flat stomach and me, what about me, right? Or, or about, um, there's a lot of uh, this uh, information that are not putting us into this right mode, right? So we, so we already feel angry. <laughs> yeah, we self-sabotage ourselves from the very moment we wake up then. Like we're glad to be awake, but then we grab something that's negative or we listen to something that's negative and it sets a tone for the rest of the day. It's not only that we, it's a, it's a kind of, you know, like positive practice. It's something that wire, like uh, prime our brain because our brain uh, has this uh, system of filters. It's called reticular activating system. And this system helps us to filter through all these millions of information that bombard our brain every day, helps us filter what's important for us. So when we choose the first thing in the morning message that is in some sense negative, we put these filters in this way that it's, it sends the message, okay, so this is what she needs to focus on throughout the day, because this is something important. If a person accepts this as a first uh, information just after waking up for the day, it means that it's important. So we will, even unconsciously during the day, uh, spot all this negative information because this is how we wired, how we primed the, our, our brain in the morning. That's why it's so crucial not to, to, to choose smart. And yes, and I've heard this said before too, and you're absolutely right. And what happens, I guess, in the, the first part of our day can actually set a tone for the rest yeah. of our day. So if we, if we hurry outside the door and we trip on the sidewalk, that's a bad thing that happened and the rest of the day is gonna be bad because that kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. My day started out terribly. Uh, so the rest of the day must be that. 
And I think that we do attract that kind of negative energy if we focus on something that's negative from the very, very beginning. Uh, so yeah. you were talking about the power of a workout. You're absolutely right, because I work out as well. And uh, I smile when you talk about it because it's true. It does set a tone mentally and physically for the rest of your day. Not everybody likes to work out though. And some people do like to take maybe some time in the morning to do some yoga or some reflection or just something that might help them with their day. What would you say to practicing maybe yoga or just focusing or, or something like that? Would that help? I'm I practice yoga myself as well, so I'm definitely like a huge fan of practicing yoga. You know, I have always this concern here. I, I understand that not all the workouts have to work for all people, but you have to find some kind of physical movement that is good for you. For some, it may be Nordic walking, right? And it's still fine. The idea is to. Uh, to take care of the body and to be in the move and to be cautious of uh, our body posture because it's all about releasing specific uh, chemical substances, endorphins, dopamine, serotonin in our body, oxytocin, right? It all makes us feel not only good in this uh, mental sense, but it also it, it makes us be, it, it helps us be healthy. It helps us uh, for our cells, you know, to regenerate, to grow. The maintenance of cells depends on the body as well, not only the minds. There was this, you know, a tendency for many years to say that it's all about the mindset. It's all about the, um, your attitude. It's not. We know today that it's because of, as I mentioned earlier, this nervous system goes throughout our whole body and it's all connected with the brain. That's why when people are somehow feel anxiety symptoms or, or stress, they feel this in the body. It's not only that they have this specific thought in the brain in mind, they feel stomach shrink or uh, legs are shaking. We feel the symptoms throughout all our body because this is all connected and our body impact our brain uh, very strongly like we already said so i always said it does not have to be like running marathon but or lifting weights but uh, find some kind of movement some kind of physical exercise that is that, that you like but this is this have to be something that will make you sweat at least a bit right and that's an important thing that you said. It is all interconnected, the mind and the body, because I've spoken to a few people who have experienced anxiety and depression in the past, and they said that the most difficult thing for them at the very beginning of the day was even dragging themselves out of their bed. It was as though everything was so heavy, they couldn't even lift their bodies out of their bed. So it was a challenge to even step on the floor the first thing in the morning. Yes, and then in some form of uh, deep depression, it is like too late. It's not too late to do anything, but it's hard to force yourself to wake up and go uh, to the gym and do a lot of this uh, simple daily routines that we talk about today. It's too hard. But what I try to like the message I have here for the audience, it's not for those who are in this very severe uh, mental condition in this state that they really sometimes need some antidepressant or some very serious treatment or even be taken to the hospital. I'm not talking uh, to this audience because this is the different group of people. They need some very specific uh, support. I'm talking to all these people who are doing still quite well, but who experience anxiety. They are feeling, uh, they are af afraid what gonna be in the future. Uh, if they gonna find a job, if they gonna lose the job they, they still have. So for those of the audience who still have this power to control your thoughts, to control your body, to decide what you're going to do with the day. I'm not talking about this part of the society that, you know, stays in bed and have no power, no uh, mental power to get up, uh, right? So, um, so this is the routine, but, but it's like uh, you mentioned earlier, eating habits and uh, being this aspect, it's similar. You can uh, still introduce some eating habits that help you 
stay fit and stay healthy for many, many years. But for some people with uh, heavy obesity, the, the, their bodies function in a different way. They have some problems with insulin, so they will find it difficult to eat healthy and they will need a special support, more advanced, let's say, treatment, right? But, but, but for all of those who are still in quite a good shape as a part of routine to feel better in the future as a kind of investment, this type of practices we are discussing today are absolutely essential. What you're saying is what you said a little bit earlier, that no matter what level of anxiety or depression we're at, we can all be helped in one way or another. And it requires some work, obviously, and some different way of thinking. And your analogy as what you just described with the body needing certain kind of foods in a healthy body and in an obese body being different, which is true, makes a lot of sense when it comes to the mind as well. There are so, so many different ways that we can treat that and we, they can be treated. Now, you and I talked about the workplace, which I think is a very important topic to get into before we, we close today, because there's a lot of employees who have gone back to work or are working from home. And again, they are uncertain. They're not perhaps as motivated to work hard. They may be suffering from fatigue, uh, concern, all these kind of things. What happens if I have to go back to an office? And some people are saying, I can't wait to get back to an office. How do we help our employees in this particular time? So we're coming back to this essentials of mental health and investing in people's mental health. And it's uh, not only for the purpose of individual employees to help them to deal better with the situation, but for businesses, for, for companies. Gallup studies shows 85, 85% of workforce nowadays is disengaged. Disengagement is the first reaction to, it's, it's the reaction to stress. Like we said earlier on, it's not a time to be creative, to be engaged in, to be productive. It's a time to survive. So that's why people are disengaged at work. And when you are disengaged, you can't be productive. You can't be creative. You can't deliver the highest value because it's, it's impossible, right? What happens when we are under the stress is not only that we are, we literally are stupid like this example i gave with student right we may have the best knowledge but we won't be able to use this knowledge because uh, our physiology is designed in this way that we can either grow and create or protect ourselves so when we are in the state of protecting ourselves we won't think we won't be and the other thing is we won't be able to learn anything new we won't accept any new information, any new message will not enter the nervous system. So the first thing right now for companies, for managers, CEOs, bosses, anybody who is in charge of deciding how the employee, uh, employee is going to be supported, uh, mental health and teaching people how to deal with mental health is absolutely the first thing to, to do. And I would say it should be more long-term support, more uh, like specific plan, not only just one-time event, one-time conference or Zoom, Zoom call or webinar, because with, an, with this mental states and with anxiety and all these negative emotions we experience, it's not enough to, to talk about this. It won't help. We have to change the way we think we have to choose differently where we what are we going to focus on where we send our attention because as i said the thoughts are triggering our emotions yes. so we train this and this won't happen with one time webinar or zoom call um, we need to introduce uh, programs that would be you know like few weeks or few months to teach people step by step and support them not only just talk about this and there's a lot of this mess there's the message out there about let's let's talk about anxiety if we're gonna talk about this it's gonna be easier it's the illusion we have this illusion that when we talk about something it's the problem will be uh, dissolved by only talking about this it won't be because we have to physically change rewire our brain physically change the way we think 
do not go the same path as we go uh, yesterday. And the interesting thing is that neuroscience confirms that 75% of our thoughts or even 90% of our thoughts are the same thoughts that we had yesterday and, and, and the day before. So we are repeating the same patterns. We have to break this. We have to choose different thoughts. And it's e easier said than done. It's, it's difficult for someone who was already has as a habit worrying. Worrying is a kind of habit. And suddenly to say, just stop worrying. Hmm. Just be positive. Think positively. This won't work. It's the same with, with New Year's resolutions. They work for two, day, two, two days or two weeks maximum, right? Because... It's all deeper, deeper layers of our uh, subconsciousness, deeper layers of our mind, and we can get access to it. We can change this. We have tools today to change this, but this won't happen during one uh, online event, right? Okay. And I really like what you said. One of the things uh, that stuck out for me, you said that it's, it's not enough to talk about your anxiety and it's not enough to talk about your feelings. That, uh, that won't cure it. And that, that may make you feel better uh, momentarily, but what is required is another step because yeah. it, yes. And I think it's very important to say that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. The idea is that you get your thoughts out there. You tell people how you're feeling because without saying that, number one, I think by saying, it physically, when you say it, it, it's out there. And it's out there yeah. not only for the recipient of the message, it's out there for you. And you've actually said it, okay, this is what I'm feeling on the inside. I'm now talking about it on the outside. That can do me some good. But only to speak about it once is not enough, if I understand you correctly. And I yeah. totally agree with you. It's important to say it. It's important to, to realize it. But then it's important to work on that. It doesn't yeah. come just by saying it once. Yes, to implement solutions that will help us change this. And like even with this example, uh, even the example with workouts and with waking up more in the morning and going to the gym. I know it's hard because I went through this process myself and I know how hard it is to leave your, you know, like a warm bed and it's dark outside and cold and you have to, and your hubby is next to you and you have to leave all this and go to the gym. I know that's hard. But again, neuroscience gives us tools to create this new habits and make them stick, not like New Year's resolution, but make them a part of who you are. So this is what happening and this is the goal for, for us to teach people to help themselves to deal with negative emotions and recognize that, okay, this is a fear, but uh, I see this fear, I can name this fear, but it doesn't mean I will step into this fear. I can be observer, right? And I can't be the, become the fear. Mm. So, so this, this is the idea. And then they are, um, this is who they are. They, uh, they used to have a habit of negative thinking, of worrying, but now they have a habit of trust. And we have uh, tools to help people introduce these habits with uh, neuroscientific uh, you know, studies, how this habit is created in the brain and help them install new habits. And in the sense that uh, you would think after a few months, it's, it's impossible, it was me. It was impossible, I was behaving or thinking this way. I'm a different kind of person. And then you don't have to even think about, let's say, putting your, sticking your pen between your teeth because you automatically behave and act in a way that is much more uh, supportive that helps you. I don't like this uh, expression positive or negative because as I said, stress has very positive effect for our body when it serves its purpose, right? Right. Something that supports us. If you feel that the stress is so high that you can't focus on work, that you can't send your kids to school without worrying, uh, it's, it means that it does not serve you any longer. And this is where you need uh, support to change this, to yeah, to, to, to support you in life. Everything that you say has got like a million different routes I could take because what you, what you talk about, there's so many interesting things from everything that you've said. One of the things that I like uh, very, very much from what you said is mental wellness can become a habit. It is yes. something that we can create to become 
a habit by, by implementing certain exercises, certain thought processes, we can actually create a mental wellness habit. I love that because we are, it's not like we are always going to feel so bad. It is a choice, right? It comes back to choosing your attitude, choosing your actions, and choosing your thoughts. Uh, you touched on the power of language, both in body and in mind. The spirit of overcoming fear is something that can be done. And it, it again, it becomes a habit and there are tools out there. I like that. We talked about the employee and the, and the importance of all CEOs and managers out there to take care of your staff right now, because a lot of people are not talking about how they're feeling. They're keeping it on the inside. They're not about to tell you, uh, you know, because you're the CEO, but they may be feeling this anxiety and this depression and exercises can help them to be more productive. So that's really important. The other thing I want to talk about are children. What should we be teaching children? Because they're growing up now. 2020 has been a weird uh, year for kids too. They haven't had their Halloween. They're wearing a mask, not a Halloween mask, but a face mask. And many of them are just growing and don't quite know what this adult world is all about yet. What can we be telling our children or teaching our children at a young age about this? I can give you my personal example. My son is nine right now. So I practice this uh, in person every day. And I have to tell you that I, uh, I'm really proud of what we are doing only because it's already our routine, our habit to have this, to practice this wellness. Not only we start the day in the gym, because he is in the gym with me every every day, every morning. He wants to be a soccer player, so he this is the an ad, additional motivation. But he knows how positive it is. And what I notice is that kids are. Uh, it's not only my observation. Kids are uh, maybe not the best listeners, but they are great observers. So when they see you watching a news and they hear all this information they may not um, perfectly well understand what's happening but they are uh, they are they receiving this signal of threat of danger of something negative they will feel these emotions kids are great in uh, feeling others emotions so it's our responsibility as parents parents not to allow this fear to enter our home. And this is what we actually start from our, our conversation by saying that we should be in, uh, you know, uh, in the guardians of our own mind and decide what there's a lot of happening out there, but we don't have to allow all of this to come into our house. This is exactly what we did with my husband at the beginning of lockdown and this global pandemic in March where there was no news in our uh, in our TV. We knew that we have to stay home. We knew we have to isolate. This is what we could do. So this is what we do. But we did not watch all this news, all this statistics and other numbers and other, you know, scenes from around the world of, you know, bodies being left somewhere outside of the hospital because, you know, funeral services were not able to... <laughs> provide the, the support right it's so scaring and it's up to us if we invite this kind of uh, message and energy into our home or or not us as adults right because kids are not uh, they need different help in the sense that they are they are not fully responsible for how they feel and how they prosper mentally we as adults are responsible for our mental health health and for kids so the first thing is to limit all this information. Do not watch news. I maybe I don't know, maybe CNN will not like me now, but do not watch CNN. Do not watch all this negative information. Do not allow your child brain to be fed with all this negative information. This is the, this is the first thing. The second thing, as I said, body posture, sticking your pen into mouth. This is something you can teach your kid. You can practice with kid, even encouraging when you do, let's say, the homework or even tell them when you go to school, start to do some writing exercise. Stick the pen into your mouth and keep it like this for two minutes. Hmm. It does not cost anything. It will not disturb anybody else. 
maybe you're gonna be advocate of mental health in your uh, school like sometimes my son is right <laughs> by sharing some kind of techniques and and this is something i'm you know uh, passionate about how to uh, bring this knowledge to our life not only to our business life but our life in general because i see how this works with my son who can come and say you know what i saw uncle he was so upset yesterday and angry and he shouted someone why don't he just meditate <laughs> this is from nine year old if he's so stressed out why don't he just meditate it's so simple it becomes so natural for the kids because this is what we showed them as the example so everything i i said today is something that we can implement within our families with our kids knowing that it not only uh, support their mental health but also their cognitive skills they will learn better if they won't be in stress yes if they are not stressed out because 80% of employees are in disengaged and the same is with kids at school. How come they can focus on learning? How come they can use their brain uh, when the body is in fight or flight mode? Right. So another, another thing that is like, uh, I, I, I often repeat, it's all about this interpretation we uh, discussed at the beginning, what meaning we're going to give to situation. So I try to not use words like, pandemic, crisis, all this negative information that brain already knows what does it mean. Mm. When there is a drama, when there is a tragedy, brain knows what this expressions means. Why don't we just call it situation? This mm. is the situation. My, no, my son knows the situation requires me to wear a mask. This is it. This is the situation. We have to deal with the situation by putting on the mask and washing and disinfecting our hands. And this is it. This is the reality. And you do not, we come back to body language. We do not trigger the emotions and the chemicals of fear by saying, this is the situation. This is how the situation is, right? Because situation is something neutral. When we said there is this virus everywhere and they can highly, you know, like contagious and you can be killed. And obviously it's a different kind of uh, like um, message to the brain, right? But if you just say, it's just a situation, wash your hand and you're going to be fine. Put on your mask and you're going to be have fine. Stay away from other, like, this is the situation that you can't invite friends for a play date. It happens. In life is not only rainbow, right? That's there are right. hard moments, there are difficult there, there are hard and difficult moments, there are more pleasurable moments, right? And and it's something we, we grow resilience, we help kids build resilience. And my observation is that we as parents oftentimes try to like limit all negative situations to protect our kids, not to ex not to challenge them too much not to expect too much because we believe it's better. I don't think it's better. Situation like this can teach our kids a lot in the sense that sometimes you just have to know how to adjust and you appreciate the moment with your friends more when you experience not having your friends, right? right. And we, we have this kind of honest, mature conversation with our kids uh, probably, if not pandemic, many of the families would not have opportunity to have this kind of conversation. You've touched on so many really important keys. Again, teaching your children to deal with a situation as opposed to a pandemic, maybe an opportunity to, to teach them how to deal with other difficult things that come along later on in their life. It's, it's all the way that and I, I like that so much. And I'd love to talk to you for another hour. I think we're going to have to have another show, you and I, because you're so full of wonderful. Uh, let's let's do this again. But I'm going to have to say uh, we've just run over the hour. So I would love to talk to you again. And what you shared with us, Anna, has been so great. Uh, you have such a, a wonderful insight into the body, the mind. And I know that a lot of all my viewers will take away something because you touched on everything. You touched on how we talk to ourselves, how we react, how we choose to react to, to the things that happen, what we tell ourselves, how, how our body can actually influence our mind and our thoughts. 
uh, how our mind can influence our body. You've touched on all those wonderful things, and I thank you so, so much. Uh, you have and we still had not time to discuss gratitude. <laughs> so no. we have a, definitely we need to make a, you know, a sequel. <laughs> we do. We do. And I'm going to do that. I want to thank you for coming on today. And I'm looking forward to our next chat. So we'll have to talk about that in just a few minutes. But uh, yes. thank you for all that information. It's going to be great. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient. 